And, you know, Jesus is our hope. Jesus is our future. Jesus is our purpose. Jesus is everything to us. And it's my privilege to to start the series that Caleb talked about where we're looking at our first focus point. And I'll just read it out again in in case you missed it. It is a year to use our God-given gifts. And the byline to that says, we will share our God-given dreams with each other and each use our talents to strengthen our boat and move it forward. And of course, we've got the imagery out in the foyer that was painted at the start of this year for, or at the end of, the last, end of last year for our vision and focus for us as we move forward. And the, the part that I am focusing on in this first talk is God dreams. The God dreams of the aspect of, of this focus point. And uh, biblically, when we use the word God dreams, it's synonymous or the same as God vision. It's just a different way of looking at the same thing. God dreams, God vision, it's pretty well interchangeable. And if, and if we're talking about dreams, uh, visions... Uh, two weeks ago, Pastor Paul uh, shared about the importance of having a personal God vision for your life if we're going to buy into the corporate vision. And he get, did an excellent talk on that. And he, one of the verses that he shared is it uh, comes from Proverbs. And if we're, we're going to do a talk on vision, it's probably for most of us who have been Christians for a while, it's one of the verses that would pop into our head and say, oh, they're probably going to reference that verse. So we're probably going to reference that verse. And that comes from Proverbs 29, verse 18, and it says this, Where there is no revelation, people cast off restraint, but blessed is the one who heeds wisdom's instruction. And this verse tells us that the wise person gains revelation so they can stay true to the course God has for their life, because without revelation, we will wander around all over the place. And revelation brings purpose. And the word revelation that is written in in the NIV and the King James Version is written as vision. And the actual Hebrew word that has been translated here means a God-given dream or vision that you can see. A God-given dream or vision that you can see. Now, um, I've been on many uh, leadership development courses and... um, for many of them, they'll talk about the importance of, of having a goal in life and, and having goals. And uh, I've heard many really good talks, uh, people talking about them uh, in church and different things where they, they talk about the importance of having goals and, and uh, they'll even reference this verse about having a goal. But to me, God dreams and God visions are different to goals. They're actually different. You know, a God dream or a God vision is something big picture that you can see, possibilities out there in a the future, whereas a goal is something that aims for a target. And can be quite, spe- well, if you look at the smart goals, they are specific, it's the very first thing. <laughs> and you see, you can have God dreams and vision without goals, but I think it's a bit of a problem if you have goals without a God dream or God vision. See, a, 
just if you, if you just got goals, you might decide, okay, I'm heading over here, this is my goal, and we're going to get to this point here. And then tomorrow you're going to say, my goal is to get over to here. And then the next day, my goal is to get over to here. And you basically end up back where you started. Because you don't have any big picture of where you're, that's setting you a direction of where you are going with your goals. Does that make sense? So there's a story in the Bible which really speaks to God dreams. And that comes from the book of Genesis, chapter 37. And so if you have your Bibles, or either on your phone or on your, in your paper version, if you can open it up to Genesis chapter 37. And this is the story of Joseph, and, and many of you will be familiar with this story, but if you're not, if you're, if you're new to the Bible and new to Christian faith or you're searching, let me just give you a, a little bit of background on that. Um, God wanted to create a, a, a family and then a nation which was dedicated to him. And so he called Abraham, who's known as the father of faith, and said, you'll be a father of many nations, but I'm going to... Uh, one line from you is going to be a specific nation. And so Abraham had Isaac, and then Isaac had Jacob as their children. And Jacob was the chosen for creating the nation of Israel. In fact, his name was changed to Israel. And Jacob had 12 sons. Joseph was the second youngest son of those 12. And so we, we start reading in chapter 37, verse 2. This is the account of Jacob's family line. Joseph, a young man of 17. Who's 17 here? Is, have we got any 17-year-olds? No. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Some would like to be 17. Who can remember when they were 17? Okay, so that's, that's how old Joseph was. Now, Joseph, a young man of 17, was tending the flocks with his brothers, the sons of Bilhah, the sons of Zilpah, who, um, his father's wives, and he brought their father a bad report about them. Okay, so the very first couple of verses here are talking to us about the character of Joseph. Now, he was out there working with his, with his brothers and he comes back as a bit of a telltale on them. Now, I don't know whether his brothers were sleeping on the job or what the story was, but he, uh, you get this impression, he just comes back and he can't wait to tell on them. And, and you get the, start to pick up this feeling that Joseph had a certain amount of arrogance around him. So he's a bit of a telltale, he was arrogant. We carry on the next verse and it says this, And Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons because he had been born to him in his old age. And he made an ornate robe for him. When his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. Now, how, how, uh, how bad a character does someone have for your brothers to absolutely hate you? Now, he, he told on them. He had this sense of arrogance. And he was spoiled. 
he had some really bad character traits. Not like anyone here, of course. But then we go into the next verse and it says, Joseph had a dream. Let's pause there for a second. The Bible paints a picture of someone who has really bad character traits and then says he had a dream, a God dream. And to me, that is really encouraging because it doesn't matter about your character. It doesn't matter about your circumstances. It doesn't matter about your age. We can all have God dreams and God visions for our life. It's not determined on who we are. It's determined on who he is. You know, having a God dream for our life, having a God vision for our life is one of our birthrights as followers of Jesus. Now, there's numerous birthrights we have. When we put our faith and trust in Jesus we, and we accept him as our Lord and Saviour, one of our birthrights is eternal salvation. Another one of our, our birthrights is that uh, we get to go to heaven when our bodies fail on this earth. It's a birthright that we have. Another birthright that we have is that when we put our faith and trust in Jesus, when we accept him as our Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit comes and lives inside of us and changes our spiritual DNA. So we're now sons and daughters of the King. It's one of our birthrights. Another one of our birthrights is that we hear God speak to us regularly and frequently. It's a birthright that we have, and I wrote a book on it. But we also have this as a birthright, that we, as, that we get to have God dreams and God visions for our life. If you, if you uh, want to look at Joel, chapter 2, and verse 28, and the Apostle Peter quoted these verses uh, on the day of Pentecost, and these verses come after Joel is describing a, a restoration of the nation of Israel and, and you can actually interpret it as, as that restoration took place through the death and resurrection of Jesus. And then Joel says, And afterward, or after this, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women. Servants are those who are following Jesus, and God will give each one of us dreams and visions as part of our birthright. So if you feel that you don't have a God dream or vision yet, you can go to God for it because it is part of your birthright. Is that good? Is that good news? Okay, let's carry on with the scriptures. So Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. He said to them, listen to this. Dream I had. 
We were binding sheaves of grain out of the field when suddenly my sheave rose and stood upright. Well, your sheaves gathered around mine and bound down to it. I suspect he did say it like that. Wouldn't even surprise me if he poked his tongue out of them after he said it. It's part of his character trait. His brothers said to him, do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? And they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he had said. Then he had another dream and he told it to his brothers. Listen again, he said. I put the again in. I had another dream and this time the sun and moon and 11 stars were bearing down to me. When he told his father as well as his brothers, his father rebuked him and said, what is this dream you had? Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow down to the ground before you? His brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the matter in mind. Now, again, so a little bit of background of what actually happens. At this point in time, Joseph has had a dream that says, I'm going to lead. He is interpreting that dream as... He's going to be the number one. He's going to be the man in charge of these, these brothers of his. They're going to have to basically bow down and worship him as the leader. What happens is his brothers decide that they want to kill him. Uh, instead, they sold him, sell him to slavery to the Midianites. He gets taken uh, to Egypt where he becomes the slave of Potiphar and his families, and as he's there, he actually rises up in leadership in the family till Potiphar's wife decides that she likes the look of him and wants to have her way with him, and he refuses, and so he, she lies and, and tells on him to her husband. He gets thrown into prison. While he's in prison, he, he rises up in leadership in the, in the prison, and uh, then he, there's the pharaoh's baker and wine taster, in there who have dreams, he interprets the dreams and those dreams are fulfilled and he tells the uh, wine steward to remember him when he goes to Pharaoh but Joseph gets forgotten until Pharaoh has a dream in himself and the wine steward says uh, to Pharaoh, actually there was a guy in prison who can interpret dreams because no one else could interpret it and then so Joseph's taken out, uh, taken to Pharaoh and he uh, interprets Pharaoh's dreams, saying that there's going to be seven years of plenty and seven years of famine. And then Joseph, who at this, by this stage has uh, had a few character changes and grown a little bit of intelligence, and he says to Pharaoh, I think it's probably a good thing for you to choose someone who's really, really wise and smart, who can actually uh, be second to you and collect all the good stuff that comes in during the years of plenty so that there's food for everyone in the years of uh, famine that's going to happen after that and Pharaoh says well who better than you and puts Joseph as second in charge of the uh, whole nation of Egypt and of course seven years after the plenty comes the famine and reaches all the way out to where Joseph's family is and they come to collect food and end up bowing down to Joseph fulfilling the vision God dream that placed on him really quick synopsis of what actually happens. But you can go and read that for yourself in the rest of Genesis. It's a great story to read. So let's pick up a few things about God dreams and God visions 
that we can see from this story. The first thing is that vision or God dreams is seeing. It is seeing. It is big picture. Joseph saw himself as a leader. And we can see the possibilities and the potential where God can take us and use us in the future that he has for us. And it'll be big picture. It's high, it's wide, it's deep. It encompasses lots of possibilities. And we may not actually understand or see exactly what that future might look like in detail, but we can see the potential and the possibilities through the dreams and visions that God gives us. It's something that we can see. And we can we should be able to actually, because we can see it, we should be able to share that and tell stories with it. And and you know, as part of our focus for this year, it's about sitting down and just sharing we, with each other just the dreams that God has given in our lives. With, you know, when we go out to the cafe, one of the things that we should do is say, so what's the God dream that God's placed on you lately? And just start to share that with each other. Not in the way that Joseph shared it with his brothers. But sometimes we don't recognize the actual God dream or God vision that God has for us and we, we, we come back a little bit uh, more towards goals. Uh, there's a young man I know who uh, a couple of years ago came and talked to me about going into business. And this is a great young man. He's skilled at what he does. He's smart. He works hard. He would be really successful, I suspect, in business. And, um, but I also know that business is a real challenge and, and most businesses that start fail within the first two years. It is, uh, there's a real risk and a lot of hard work in becoming uh, successful in business. So I said to him, uh, why do you want to go in business? What is the dream here? What, what are you sensing? And he said, well, actually I see business as a tool to get into property and start buying property, a way to generate more income so I can get into property. And I said, well, I don't think business is a guaranteed way of doing, doing that. So tell me about your vision for property. What's, what's in behind that? What are you actually doing there? And as he started to talk about that, he said, well, actually, the reason I want to get into property is because my ultimate goal or vision is to only have enough income so I only need to work four days a week and spend the other three helping raise my family and actually being a real influence and making sure that my kids grow up with a real heart and passion for God and, and being really successful in all they do. And I said, oh, well, that's starting to sound a little bit more like vision. But the, the strategies that you've been thinking about or the goals that you've been putting in place of a way to achieve that, are they the only possibilities for doing that? Are there other ways that God could fulfill that vision? And he went away thinking about that. I caught up with him a, a, about a year later and God had helped him fulfill his vision of working four days a week and uh, spending that time with his family within that year by um, uh, negotiating with his boss. He's profit sharing in the company because he is a really good worker. 
very talented in what he does, um, working longer hours, four days a week, and he's met that vision. So God will have another vision for him as he moves on. But it's uh, just connecting with what that real God dream and God vision for each one of us is. Does that make sense? You know, there are so many possible futures for us that can sit within the God dreams that God places on us. And one of the things, as we see our future, God will take us on a journey to get there. And it may not be like uh, my friend who got to that first, first aspect of vision in, the, in a year. It could take years. And during that process, like Joseph, God will work on, his, on our character. And he will cause us to become people that are able to actually carry and fulfill the vision that he's placed on our heart. Whereas that, when he first gives it to us, we might not be. Um, when I became a Christian at the age of 13, when I was at primary school, and I can see this as clearly today as the day that it happened, I was standing in the playground. There's no one around me. And I heard this voice uh, sort of about there. And it said, one day you'll be a minister for me. And I couldn't see anyone. When I became a Christian, I re I mean, that really just stayed with me. When I became a Christian at the age of 13, and as I grew, I realized that was, that was God actually speaking to me. And uh, soon after I became a Christian, I received some prophetic words. One was from a, a preacher who was traveling around the country at a prophetic ministry. And he, he said to me, God has called you into leadership and, and you're going to be in places where you open doors that no man can close and you close doors that no man can open. And prophesied that over me. And there, there just became this real dream in my heart that God had called me into ministry and into leadership. And I got involved in doing all sorts of things from, from a youth age. When it, I might have been fifth form, sixth form. Denise will, will probably remember better than me. And I decided, we, we were growing up in Rangura, and I decided, wouldn't it be great if we had combined youth group activities? So just I, I, on a Friday night, I said, let's, uh, I organised the St. John's uh, uh, the Anglican Hall to be available and I contacted all the youth groups and I said let's have combined youth group activities on a Friday night and we started getting 80, 100 young kids coming along to it and I was probably about 16 hitting this thing up it, it, it was just that sense of ministry and call on, on, on my life that, which has followed me all the way through when I was in year 12 or 6th form for us I, didn't, I really didn't want to go to seventh form in year 13. Uh, I was more interested in getting out and doing stuff. I went to my pastor and I said, you know, I believe that God's got a real call in my life for ministry. So what I want to do, what I would like to do is become a disciple of you, yours, spend time with you, work in the church and, and learn to how to grow in ministry. Today we call that an intern. We didn't have such things around back then. Um, I'm not sure if he knew what to do with the request like that. 
But he answered, I think you should go and talk to your parents, see what they think. So I went and had a chat with, with mum and dad, and um, they, they said, well, that's all well and good that God's calling you that, to that, but what if it doesn't work out? We think the right thing for you to do is go get an apprenticeship and get a trade behind you so that if it doesn't work out, you've got something to fall back on. And so now I had this quandary, this real sense that God had given me a dream and a vision to go after this, but my parents were saying, well, we think you should do this. And, and I was trying to fight it because the Bible says, honor your father and mother or obey your father and mother so that you can live long on the earth. And I was thinking, but God, you've said this to me and then they're saying this. So uh, eventually I came to a place of peace where I realized that God... I know your word is true. And if I choose to follow your word, you'll look after the rest. I can trust you. So I went and got an apprenticeship and spent a number of years at the railway workshops in Addington, get, becoming a, a fitter NZR. Then, then uh, the rest is history. I, I left there. We started the uh, business that I now lead today. And... Um, The really cool thing is, all through my life, I've been involved in ministry, and I've been ministering, and the church hasn't had to pay a cent, <laughs> and I love that, and I don't think I'm anywhere near the end of the vision and dream that God placed in my heart those years ago. I think there's so much more for me, as God's got so much more for you. And the thing that I really love today is that I get to encourage and help and train people for leadership and see people and to see people grow in their giftings and help them fulfill the call of God on their life. And that just excites me. Far more than any role that I'm actually in, but just being able to help people be successful in life, it absolutely excites me. Is that a good story? But God needs to work on our character. And... God has definitely worked on my character through those years, through the different things. So vision is seeing. Vision generates emotion. You know, the thing about a good story is it generates emotion. And as God gives us dreams and vision, it creates a story aspect and it generates emotion. We certainly see the emotion in Joseph's brothers as he shares the vision in a negative way, but, it, it, but vision will also inspire positive emotion. And emotion is really important. God made us emotional beings. And it's emotion that actually drives us um, from a ne negative aspect. I'm sure you've either been really angry or really scared about something emotionally, and it's given you the energy to actually do something. It gives you incredible energy when you some of those emotions... Our buying decisions, studies have shown that almost all buying decisions are made from emotion. And they're generally fear, guilt, pride, love, and hate. Are the five general emotions that are used for, for buying decisions. We use logic to justify the decisions after we've made them. 
And if, if you actually sit down and watch ads with that information behind you, you'll see them trying to tick off those five emotions within the ads. I thought it's a really good ad. Some ads are terrible. But anyway. So dreams, God dreams and God vision will connect to our emotion. And the key emotion that they connect with is hope. They give us hope despite the circumstances that we might be in. We know that God has a plan and a purpose and a future for us because he's given a dream and a vision of what that possibility may be. And we know that despite the circumstances we're in, we, we could be uh, um, hated by others. We could be uh, sold into slavery, feel like that we're enslaved. We could be in, feel like that we're in prison. We could feel like that we're forgotten, as Joseph was. But that dream that God gave Joseph, gave him hope for the future that he knew there was always going to be more and God had a plan for his life and he wouldn't be forgotten. And I think that's a word for some people here today. You haven't been forgotten. There is hope. And vision is progressive. Vision is progressive. It always moves forward, further, we never run out of God's vision for our lives. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, Carl and I, I took Carl to the Glendu Bike Park, just out of Wanaka, mountain bike park. It is a fantastic mountain bike park. I've been there numerous times. This is Carl's first time. Oh, some of those tracks. There's one, uh, my favourite one is Roller, And you can ride that track without touching your brakes if you're brave enough. And it's, it takes a bit to get that brave. Uh, you know, it's got some fantastic high, big booms, and you, you've actually got the bike leaning at 90 degrees to the, or parallel to the ground as you go up and around and roaring down to the next one. And, and it's got jumps, and some of those jumps, because we've been learning how to do jumps. And a couple of them, I actually managed to whip my back, back wheel like you see on TV, and I thought, oh, that was pretty cool. I don't know how I did it. <laughs> But we, when, when we arrived there, you, you bike out around there, and Carl said, so where are we heading? I said, oh, see that hill way up there? That's where we're going. That, you know, we had some vision for seeing where we're going, and you had to ride up to Scott's Landing Festival, which is where some of the, most of the tracks start from, but to get to the top area, you then had to ride around back behind the mountain and zig, zig up, and as we're partway up, I said to Carl, see that top there? which is what you could see as you come around the back. So that's a false top. <laughs> it goes on further than that. And uh, we'd been riding for about 50 minutes at that stage, uphill. It, it, but that's the thing about God's visions from God. Is, you know, you think you're just about there and he's got more. And he's got more. And he's got more for us. Vision, God's dreams and God's vision are progressive we will never run out of his dreams and visions for our life. Uh, Denise and I were at a 70th, 70th birthday party uh, for one of my cousins uh, again a couple of weeks ago. Fantastic Christian woman. I haven't got time to tell you all some of the stuff that she's been involved with. Incredible stuff. Um, she had a dream at around 60, thereabouts, 
to bring reconciliation between Māori and Pākehā. And God just laid that on her as, as something that she wanted to see, see happen. How that started fulfilling is, is a, a young Māori girl started coming to their church and she started mentoring her. And then she men- started mentoring another one. And I think when we were there, there was over a dozen young Māori girls that she had mentored. One of them that got up and spoke. Uh, and it, these all became Christians and, and are on fire for God. And one of them got up and spoke at her, at her birthday party. And before she had met her cousin, she had been in prison four times. Her and her partner would deal, distribute meth all around the North Island. Uh, God spoke to her before she was a Christian and told her to come to the South Island. She came to Venom and felt God say, no, not here, go to Nelson. So she went over to Nelson, bumped into her cousin and her cousin started mentoring her. She's uh, become a a real on-fire Christian. She's written a book. uh, uh, And the honouring that these young Murray ladies gave to Eugenie at her birthday was incredible, absolutely incredible. Treat her as part of their family. And you know, she might have thought that it was going to be some big thing that she was doing to help bring that reconciliation, but it was happening one on one through that whole process. And God's given her lots of dreams and visions for the future, and it keeps progressing. And vision keeps the course true. In the book of James, we're reminded that double-minded people are unstable all, in the, uh, all their ways. Praise God. Praise God. Bless you, Charles. And having a God dream of vision for our life keeps us true to the course. You know, that's one of the reasons we have a boat image out there, is that it actually keeps us true to the course. And having a clear, emotion-generating, passion-giving vision story brings stability and keeps us going in a direction and empowers us with our yeses and nos. You know, Joseph had a lot of setbacks on his journey to reaching his dream. But he carried on through. And here's one thing that Joseph did to keep him true and on course to reach the, and fulfill the vision and God dream that uh, had been planted on his life, he served. Wherever he was, he served. When he was working for Potiphar, he served. He served diligently, he served well, it enabled him to progress. When he was in prison, he served. He served well and enabled him to progress. He served. And if you want one key this morning to how to fulfill the dreams and the visions that God has placed on your lives, it's to do this. Wherever you are, serve. Wherever you are, serve wherever you are serve uh, we're making a shift and a change into how we look after the cafe after church, a really important place and up to now it's been small groups that 
that have been rostered on. We're changing away from that and Eli and Sarah's uh, bone have put their hands up and said, we will head this up, which is really awesome. They're just passionate about wanting to serve. Now, here's the thing about doing the clean-up and looking after the cafe. Uh, there's three reasons why we should have at least 50 volunteers putting their names down for that. First of all, it is such an important time relationally for us as a church, for new people who come in, for connecting with them, for connecting with each other. It's that cafe time which where most of it happens. It is really important to see it running well. Secondly, if you're part of a family, you need to do housework. No one's exempt. Even little kids should be picking up their toys. We all should be doing something to actually make the house work. Um, the, and the third reason is that in serving, God's able to actually take you forward to actually reach the vision and dream he has, that he's placed on your heart for your life. The band would like to come up. Now, it's interesting, at the end of Joseph's uh, time, towards the end of Joseph's time on this planet, his father had passed away, his brothers were a bit worried that his character was still, still like uh, what it was, and they came to apologise and ask for his forgiveness. And you can just pick up the change in Joseph's character and the, the way that God had prepared him for what he had for him when Joseph says this, Don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So then don't be afraid, I will provide for you and your children. When, when Joseph started with this arrogant thought that he was going to be a one in charge, he discovered that God's call for leadership on his life was one who serves.